listening to the Insightful Nutrition Podcast, the podcast that highlights creators and innovators of algae-friendly and alternative products, businesses, and services, sharing their entrepreneurial journey. I am your host, Nicole Farkasin. Let's get the show rolling. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Insight for Nutrition. And I just want to say a big welcome to anyone who is listening to an episode for the first time or you've just subscribed to the podcast. I just want to say to you, welcome, welcome, welcome. And for those who are continually listening to the podcast as well. Now, before we get into introducing our guests for today, I just want to give a big shout out to the Shan Man who is also known as Shannon Hernandez. I have so much great respect for him as a podcaster, and he has tons of experience in radio broadcasting, and he has carried that experience into podcasting. He has given tons of advice on podcasting on his YouTube channel, Shannon Hernandez, and you can check him out on the links below in the show notes. So Shannon Hernandez, just want to say big up to you for encouraging people to start podcasting. Now, let's get into our introduction of our guest today, Lisa Reagan, the founder and owner of Safely Delicious LLC. She has been cooking allergen-free since 2004 as a single divorced mom of four children with multiple food allergies. Not wanting her kids or anyone else with food allergies to feel excluded at school, birthday parties, social events, and other events, she created snacks that looked and tasted similar to what others were eating, but still delicious and free of the food allergens they had to avoid. Inspired by her children and encouraged by her co-workers, she decided in November 2015 to start the company Safely Delicious and to sell the snacks that she had been making for her children. So Safely Delicious products are free of the top 11 food allergens, such as wheat, dairy, peanuts, tree nuts, soy, egg, fish, shellfish, sesame, mustard, sulfites, and are manufactured and packaged in a dedicated licensed commercial facility free of these food allergens. Safely delicious snack bites are sweet and crunchy, gluten-free, vegan, cholesterol-free, low in sodium, an excellent source of iron and has no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, and no preservatives. Initially, after two years ago, their snacks started being sold in retail and grocery store locations around Kansas City, and now they're sold throughout the United States and in addition to other online businesses and their website, safelydelicious.com, word of mouth, and local vendor events. During the last 12 months, Safety Delicious has received the following awards and recognitions. The 2020 Nova Award by the Overland Park Chamber of Commerce Economic Development Council. 2019 Woman-Owned Business of the Year, Manufacturing Firm by the Kansas Department of Commerce. 2019 Emerging Business of the Year by the SBA, Kansas Small Business Development Center. 
2019 Class of Inspirational Influencers by the International Association of Women First Place Winner, Shirley Max, Pitch Finale by the Women's Business Development Center, and 2018 Overland Park Small Business Person of the Year by Alignable. Now, Spoken Inc. has just verified Safely Delicious on January 13, 2020, as part of the Spoken's Verified Brand Program. Now, that is the only food allergy platform combining verified packaging, labels, facility information, certifications, or prioritary 22-question allergy facts and question plus allergy community reviews. Although she has achieved success as a mother and a businesswoman, she prays whenever she is stressed, she loves pizza and Italian food, uses QuickBooks to manage her budget and finances, and her favorite dream trip would be to visit Italy. So, without further ado, let's dive right into the conversation with Lisa Reagan. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing today? All right. How are you, Nicole? I am good. Thank you so much. Today's a windy day today. Yeah, our weather is uh, overcast right now. It's, it's, I want to say it's spring-like because I guess in the spring we get those spring showers. Yeah. We're waiting for our May flowers. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of gloomy and dreary today here. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, who is Lisa Reagan before... She became the founder of Safely Delicious. So I am a, a mom of four children, and I'm actually a single parent now. I, I uh, got I became divorced several years ago, and I, as a child, we moved around a lot. So I'm originally from New York, from the East Coast. And that's where my parents are originally from. And so growing up, we moved a lot. And I lived in Florida. I lived in Idaho. Uh, obviously lived in New York. And um, really, I think as a result of moving a lot as a kid and feeling like I was always having to start over um, and making friendships and meeting people and that sort of thing, I think um, that just added to my personality in that I am very much, I'm very much an outgoing person. And very much a person who um, I do seek to, um, if I'm in a social situation and I see people who don't look like they're being included or, you know, are feeling a little awkward or maybe feeling, you know, they appear to be maybe almost singled out or not kind of part of the situation, I tend to naturally um, seek to include those people or, you know, invite them, kind of bring them into the fold, if you will, just because I know how myself always having to start over in social circles with different schools. I think I went to eight different schools in my 12 years or 13 years of going to school. And so, um, so I think having that as part of my personality um, has really, I guess, helped me throughout my life and uh, in, with different transitions in regards to like my background when I was in school. I used to love to do um, speech, debate, theater, track all those great fun things when I was a kid and then kind of stayed with me as into my adulthood and had a plan to 
uh, wanted to be an actress. And so I started college on a theater scholarship and then felt like I was instead being called to be a social worker. And I started pursuing that path and transferred colleges, started at Boise State University and then transferred to University of Kansas and ended up getting my degree in sociology. But then interestingly, once I got into the workforce, I unfortunately was not able to find jobs in that field that I sought to be part of. And I, my jobs, my career path instead was a lot of things related to sales and marketing, community relations, community outreach, and things like that. And then after probably while I was, I guess, doing that kind of stuff pre-children, I, um, we moved, when I, I had gotten married, we moved a couple of different times. And one of the last jobs I had before I became a stay-at-home mom was I did end up eventually getting into the nonprofit world. And I was working for a nonprofit um, agency. It was called the Health Partnership Clinic. And they would provide health medical services to people that were low to no income in the county that I lived in. And so I was hired by them to do community out, uh, relations, community outreach stuff and was in charge of their fundraiser that year that I worked with them and worked with the volunteers and all that kind of stuff. And um then started having kids uh, back in 1997 and then stayed home for about 17 years um, raising my kids until life took a different path. And, <laughs> and now we're, now we are where we are now. 17 years. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's, that's so, so amazing. Oldest, well, my oldest son, I have four kids, like I said. So my oldest son, he is 22 and my daughter is 20. And then I have another son who will be 17 coming up in May. And then I have my youngest son. He is 13. So had them spread out a bit. How did you come up with Safely Delicious? So that's kind of a funny and interesting story. So, so my children all have multiple food allergies. And... That was realized back in 2004. That's when we had received the first diagnosis that uh, my, my third child, my 16-year-old, was severely allergic to soy and peanut. So since 2004, I would have to basically shop and look at everything a little bit differently when I realized he was allergic to certain ingredients. And my youngest, a couple years after my 16-year-old was diagnosed, my youngest was diagnosed with gluten, dairy, peanuts, tree nuts, soy, and egg. So we had a challenge at trying to find foods that were free of multiple food allergens. So I used to be very creative because I didn't want my kids to feel left out and excluded at birthday parties and school activities and social events and things like that because they tended to be excluded because most of the food and snacks that kids were eating, my kids couldn't eat. So I was always looking to be creative at trying to make things that would look and taste similar so my kids wouldn't feel left out. 
So then we jump ahead years later uh, when I had to go back to work full time after my divorce. And in 2015, I had taken a batch of one of my snacks I make, which is now known as my classic bites. I had taken a batch of that to work. And, um, and at the church where I uh, worked at St. Michael's, I, the ladies, my church lady friends, that I had purchased this snack at the store. And I was like, no. And I explained to them, you know, kind of the backstory to the whole product and, and, you know, everything was free and the whole thing. And they couldn't believe that my products were free of like all the different food allergens. And so, so they were like, you should sell this. And I was like, huh, okay. And at that time I had actually been trying to discern and pray about what, how I was going to financially support myself, both short-term and long-term. And so that same day I was like, what would I even call this one product? I <laughs> Like, what would I even call my company? What would I, you know? And so, so that day I ended up coming up with the name safely delicious, like totally that day on the same, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well my product, my one little product is both safe and delicious. And so I was like, I think safely delicious is what we're going to call this company, this business. And, <laughs> and it was serious. It was as, as basic as that. And then uh, I, I spent that day going online and capturing the name on all different platforms so that I could claim it as mine for whatever, whatever this was going to turn out to be. And so that's how safely delicious uh, was born. <laughs> So carry me through the process of the structure of Safely Delicious. How did you go about the licensing, the marketing, distribution, promotion, and finances? Well, it's been a journey. I'm still on that journey. Um, one of the key things to just start saying right off the uh, in the beginning for myself was I started during my first year, I would register to be part of every and any local event that I could be, any little church bazaar, any little arts and crafts fair, any little school fundraiser event, whatever it was, I was signing up for everything probably during that first 12 to 18 months, just so I could, you know, start getting my product out there. It wasn't really though. Um, I want to say, so initially when I started my product, because being food, I was not going to be able to make my product in a, a, one of those like kitchens that people can, you know, an incubator kitchen or any of those rented spaces, um, because of cross contamination issues. So initially I started making the product in my personal kitchen and I was allowed to do that initially, because I was selling it um, to non-retail type businesses. I was selling it online and I was selling it, you know, at these local events and that sort of thing. But once I, I knew and finally got to the point where I was ready to really start going after trying to sell it in retail space, I knew I was going to have to move out of my personal kitchen and start making it in a licensed commercial facility or licensed commercial kitchen. So getting to that point took me about a year because like I said, there were no spaces that I was finding 
that I could make our product safe because our products are free of the top 11 food allergens. So that was, that was just required. That was a, a mandatory thing in order for us to have our product be what it is. So then, and how, so anyway, so what happened was I had gone to a, I was at a local event and I had several different people at that event coming up to me that were also vendors and were so gracious and wonderful about sharing with me their connections and their knowledge and their information. And they were food type products too, different than mine, very different, but still were in the food space. And they then shared with me that, you know, at some point I'm going to have to get UPC codes and I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to have that on my packaging. And then I had someone else, you know, telling me about, different network groups for food manufacturers in Kansas city. And so they were inviting me to participate in those online groups. And then there was another local business that was, you know, really gracious at wanting to help, you know, put once I was getting, once I got into a commercial space that they would, you know, be interested in putting my products in their little boutique store and little things like that, that, uh, but what was great with that one business is they started telling me about trade shows and different places where I could be more nationally getting my products out there. So from all those little connections of learning about UPC codes and learning about, you know, this, these network groups and stuff, I was able to then, like I said, that was around the one year mark for us. I was able to, uh, I met somebody, I kind of put it out there in one of our group feeds or group messages asking if anybody knew anybody who had a licensed commercial space that I could rent that was allergy friendly uh, to make our products. And it just so happened there was someone in the group who had her own licensed commercial space that she would manufacture her. Um, she used to make uh, allergy friendly baking mixes and other types of ingredients, uh, other types of products and sell them locally. And so she was wonderful. And um, we met like the next day and uh, right when it was, my one year anniversary of my business is when I, um, I think met this woman. It was crazy, the timing. And I then was now going to have a space that I could actually go to out of my personal kitchen and make my products. And so started doing that, which then that allowed me and being able to do that. Then I could after I could go after, um, some of those, uh, re some retail businesses and that sort of thing. Um, I spent a lot of time um, reading. I spent numerous hours. I think I've seen almost every episode. <laughs> Sounds great. This is where I consider I got my business 101, honestly, about things that I, I learned about all the stuff I didn't know that I needed to know to have a business by watching Shark Tank. No joke. I watched, I think, almost every episode. Uh, I would binge watch them. <laughs> uh, and... Um, and I learned so much from that of things I realized I didn't know that I needed to know if I was going to truly have a business and ever be profitable with this business idea I had. I also then, about a year and a half into my business, uh, found out about the Small Business Development Center. And it's an SBA-sponsored you know, program throughout the United States and they have the Small Business Development Center offices located um, usually um, at different college campuses and universities and stuff. And so anyways, I heard about that program and 
signed up and got a business advisor through that program who was fabulous at helping me understand and really fine tune what I was going to charge for my product. Like I was randomly coming up and guessing based on having shopped in allergy friendly food space for 13 years at that point. So I kind of knew what was out there and I knew as a consumer what I might be willing or not willing to pay for certain things. So knowing that and really starting to get a good understanding and handle on what the market would allow for a product like mine to be sold pricing wise. And so that was early on. One of the things with Jack, we really started focusing on and working on was what was I going to, how was I going to fairly price the product? And I learned all about the costs and how that worked out for profit and margins and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, so early on, started working on that kind of stuff, working on a business plan. I did not have a business plan. I honestly, my, my business plan did not really come together and be finalized until 2018. Like it took me the longest time to really create my plan because when I started, I jumped, I just immediately jumped right into the idea of, okay, I I was coming up with new products. So here's the other thing is, so we have seven different varieties of our products now in two sizes. And initially when I started, I just had one product known as the classic bites that was made with semi-sweet chocolate. And it's a little sweet and crunchy rice-based snack that we make. And the two days before my first event, this is going back to November 2015, my boyfriend at the time suggested, or he's still my boyfriend now, but my boyfriend said, what if you were to make this with, with dark chocolate? And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And we tried it and I loved it. I loved it more than my classic bites. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is great. So all of a sudden I had two products like to sell at that first little church bazaar event that I was going to be selling my stuff at. And then after that, like a few months later, that is one of our top sellers still. Selling these three products you know, people started making suggestions and my kids, especially that's the great thing is I kind of have my own little uh, test market within my own home. My products really are taste tested and kid approved. And my kids, kids can be very, uh, they can be very blunt. They don't always have a filter, which is a good thing. And we'll, we'll just straight shoot me with, they're very picky as well and very particular with certain type of food. Exactly. And that, and my kids are, especially. And so they really would give me the thumbs up or thumbs down, and they would give me feedback of what they liked or didn't like about certain things. And so when I wanted to start expanding and having some other varieties to choose from, I basically, uh, I did this several different times. I would make up several, maybe three to five different types of products or different versions or different flavors or different whatever. And I would put them in containers unmarked and I would just put numbers on the containers and I would take them to work. And I would have, I I usually had about somewhere between 75 to a hundred people each time blind taste test the product. And they would tell me, they would write on a piece of paper, what flavor they, what, what they tasted, what they thought it was whether they liked it or didn't like it. And then I would have them rank 
the the choices they were presented with. So if there was five that were trying, they were trying today that day, they would rank all five of them. And if there was three, they would rank the three. And that truly was like the best. And I, and that is something again in the future as we keep growing and adding more products. And I know lots of people do do this in food business and stuff, but that was one of those things early on that I started doing in the beginning of our business, just because I did not want to think that I, that my taste buds were the perfect taste. Like uh, what I think is great is great to everybody. And I really learned a lot and grew a lot as a business personally and professionally doing these, these studies like I would do with both, you know, uh, people I worked with, uh, my kids, my family, my friends. And it, that is what really drove to like the products we currently sell now were all because they were suggestions by my kids um, or my boyfriend. And then, and then they were also basically given thumbs up or, you know, they were thumbs up by all these, you know, hundred other people who were like, I like this one. And this is why a perfect example though, of, of the benefit of doing this was, so we have one called lemony bites and it's made with um, white chocolate and, and lemon. And it took me four attempts <laughs> to finally nail the perfect taste combination for that one. I'll never forget the first time my kids, my son, my 16 year old, when he tasted it, I, the first time I made it, I thought, Oh my gosh, when I taste, it, I was like, Oh, it reminds me of lemon bars. Like I was so excited. I was like, Oh, I think this is it. This is so great. I love it. This is going to be my new favorite. And then my son tried it and he was like, Ooh, it tastes like soap. And I went, what? <laughs> I was like, we're not going for soap here. We're going for food, lemon, you know. So, so, um, so I, I redid it. I redid the formula, the recipe, tried it again, took it to work. Some people were like, I mean, it, it was four different versions before I finally got it to where everybody loved it. and was like, this is it. This is perfect. Not too much of this, not too much of that. Doesn't have a funny aftertaste, whatever, whatever. I was like, oh my gosh. So anyway. So some of, so that's kind of some of the backstory to like the evolution, I guess, of our products, if you will, how they've, uh, you know, over time come into play. And some of the other things I think that's helped us like with what you, uh, some of the other things you asked me to address, like the marketing of our product and uh, things like that. So we had joined one of the food uh, organization called the Specialty Food Association. And I had pl applied to be part of that group. I'd heard about it from my, through networking from someone else that this might be a good uh, organization to be part of. So I applied, went through their process to be accepted. And that was like the spring of, um, it was like March of 2017. Oh my goodness, I guess three years ago, time flies. And so they, so they approved me to be in the organization and they are the organization that puts on this, uh, they put on two huge international trade shows uh, called the fancy food show. They do one in San Francisco in the winter, like in January. And then they do a huge one at the Javits center in New York city, uh, in the summer, the end of June. And so I get approved to be in this group. It's like the end of March. And they, at the time at this food show in New York city, they 
quite a few of the states from the United States would have what they would call little state pavilions. And there'd be a grouping of food base, food businesses from their state that would all be kind of put together. Their, their booths would all be in a, in a group together. And so it just so happened that for the state of Kansas, they still had one booth left that nobody had rented. And, and it was a, it was a sold out show. There was no, there was like a waiting list of like 50 people before my name, if I wanted to go to the show that summer. So I was like, and that, and the only way you can be in the show is you have to be a member of this organization. So I knew again, early on that, you know, I trade shows, eventually I was going to want and need to be in trade shows because that would get me a lot more publicity. That'd be a, a good platform for us to be part of, to network and meet get seen by some of the the businesses and people we needed to be discovered by to help grow our business. So they had actually contacted from the land of Kansas, that organization here, it's a trademark organization for our state that works with businesses that are food-based businesses, farmers, food manufacturers, that sort of thing here in Kansas. So they contacted them and said, hey, have you heard of a company called Safely Delicious? They just became a member. And, and you guys still have a booth available for the show. Maybe they might be interested in it. So the situation said they were going to reach out to from the land of Kansas from the land of Kansas contacted me and uh, asked me if I was interested in the booth. I was like, absolutely. I'll take the booth. I had no idea how much the booth was. I had no idea. I, 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 again, there's so many things about my business that I blindly jumped into having a whole lot of faith that, uh, it just, it just feels like this is what I need to do next. It seems, this feels like the right thing. I think God's leading me down this. This is the path I should be going on. Agreed to be at the show. And so, and I had just started about the month before working with the, my business advisor, Jack. And so I remember going to my next meeting with him going, okay, I have a trade show I need to, uh, that I'm going to be participating in. And it's in like 10 weeks. And initially when I started my, my, uh, my company, my product was sold in little white bakery bags or like they look like little white coffee bags with a little window on the front. And I would print out my stickers and sticker them pretty and what have you. And so now because I'm going to go to this international trade show, I remember being like, I need to look like I belong at that show. Like my product looks like it could hold its own on a grocery store shelf right next to other companies like Enjoy Life Foods and Make Good and Kinnikuk and uh, or Kinnikuk and, uh, and just all those wonderful allergy friendly food brands that I was a a customer to now I'm trying to get my products to be out there amongst theirs and, and find customers as well. And so very, very quickly, I was like, I got connected with a, uh, a local uh, printing a broker that uh, worked with a printing company and they got me connected with a graphic designer. And within a very short, quick amount of time, I was able to, with the graphic designer, uh, create and kind of and design what our packaging what you see our packaging is now. Our packaging now has been changed a couple of times since the original versions, but uh, still with that same uh, teal as our primary main focus and color. So um, so I knew that was a critical color. It had already been incorporated in a lot of my things prior to my packaging, so um, I definitely wanted to stay with that theme. And we showed up for the trade show, to the fancy food show, and at that time, all I had were prototypes of my bags. I didn't even have the money yet to, <laughs> to get the bags made, to get my packaging made. But I was like, I'm going to go to the show and I'm going to, I'm going to find business there. And once I get my business and I get some orders, then we'll order the bags. And uh, so sure enough, on the last day of the show, 
uh, some of the Ball Foods grocery store management. They are a, a, a large family-owned grocery store chain here in Kansas City. People were at the show in New York City, and they happened to stop by my booth at the end of the show. And uh, I got discovered in New York in order to be finally available at grocery stores here back in the Kansas City area where I live. So that was uh, definitely worth going to that trade show. And, and that was really what kind of, that started my, uh, that, that was definitely a major turning point in my business. That would be one of my first major turning points uh, for our business was that discovery in New York City. And uh, that got us finally into the path of being in grocery stores and getting into retail, getting into big retail. What a journey. Thank you. What a journey you have encountered to ensure that you have developed a product just for your children and then share that with share that with the community and then to share that with United States of America. That is just so amazing. Thank you. And I really appreciate what you did. Now, I want you to tell me what were your personal, professional and financial struggles that you had to go through? Well, personal struggles was time management of trying to do this business because I was still working my full-time job at the church when I started this business and had continued. So I'm, I'm starting this business and I work, you know, I go work at the church every, you know, Monday through Friday, you know, from eight 30 to three and then I go pick up my kids, I do my mom duties, and then, you know, do kid activities, meals, homework, what have you. And then by 7, 7.30 at night, 8 o'clock, depending on what was going on, I would then be working on my business. So I would, I'd work all day, do my kids for a few hours, and then I would work Safely Delicious pretty much every night from like 8 to 1 in the morning sometimes too. I'm like, I would just then work all night. And so it was almost like I was working like a 70 hour plus work week every week because I was trying to do both things. And I needed to do both things because I couldn't afford to quit my day job when I started my business. I just, I couldn't. And so, and I kept doing that, that life like that for three and a half years before I finally reached a point where I needed to, I, I needed to start giving that was 70 hours a week needed to all be to safely delicious because some of those, you know, the critical times of the day that I needed to be meeting with people and talking to people on the phone and, and, you know, really getting out there and selling my products and sell, you know, getting our, getting our brand out there were daytime hours. And those hours I was, you know, busy doing my day job at the church to keep the roof over my head. So, so that was a, that was a, personal struggle, definitely. Um, and for a while, uh, but my kids were great and, you know, would step in and help me when needed. And they all, they all can at any time if needed, even now, if I need them to, I need an extra set of hands to help with production or packaging or whatever, um, they can come in and they, they know how to do all that with. And so that's been really great, but the financial part of it, you know, also as well, you know, when I being, you know, being divorced and not really, you know, having that security of somebody else's income, if you will, I needed to, in order to start moving forward with my business, I started using my savings and 
have still had to, to this day, my, my savings, unfortunately is almost depleted, but I have great faith that this business is, is, is going to one day, hopefully sooner than later, will hit a point where all of that money that I used from my savings that was supposed to one day be, you know, help towards my retirement. But I don't think we ever retire as a mom or <laughs> as a woman, honestly, but, you know, having that cushion, you know, you know, I look forward to one day being able to replace that cushion and then some, but then, you know, so that was though a financial struggle for me because that with which was supposed to be my safety net, I was using it to have this business, to get this business going. And then also, you know, not having, you know, early on, because it's different industries are funny this way, where there's, if you're in a tech industry, you know, technology, you have some type of, you know, high tech, you know, you have an idea, even like getting investors and getting even financing for certain types of, of uh, businesses is a lot. uh, I don't, it's not easy. None of it's easy, but it tends to be, I think a little bit more accessible than say myself trying to start a food business and having to show my proof of concept and having to show sales and revenue and having to prove and show that people actually are going to pay for this and they're going to buy it and I'm going to make money at this. So I, no one would give me a loan. I spent the, I, it took me, I didn't finally get my first loan until last spring, a year ago. I finally, I received, it just so happened that there it's an organization. They 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 would provide um, capital money, startup money, if you will. It was I think around like twenty thousand dollars, which every bit helps a business when you're starting. That program only existed on the Missouri side, and so I'm on Kansas. So then, interestingly, last January, their program uh, it's called AltCap. They became available on the Kansas side. So I immediately met with them, applied and, and received my first, you know, outside money because like I said, I'd been using my own savings. I had opened up several business credit card accounts and that was how I was basically funding my business for that first three years, really. And then, or longer until last spring. And then, um, the month after I got that, um, that loan, from AltCap, my I had been trying to get an SBA loan since the fall of 2018, and then when the government shut down, like the loan process stopped, and when it finally the the government opened again, then because my loan had been quote unquote in process for more than 90 days, I had to start the process all over again. I literally I thought that. I remember just, I sat at my work desk and bawled. I was like, cause it was it getting an SBA loan. It, it, it comes close to almost like giving your firstborn child to them. It is like, it is one of the longest, most painful processes to get an SBA loan. It is. And interestingly now, because of the whole coronavirus thing, they've got disaster loans available that businesses can be applying for that. It's fabulous and great, and our business is looking to apply for one of those. And those supposedly, the turnaround time will be like a cup, you know, two to four weeks, and 
they need nearly, they don't even need half as much info as they needed the first go around to get just your standard SBA loan. So anyway, so by my SBA loan, we, we had to start the process all over again. And it was awarded to us then a month after the alt cap loan. And so then, so that was kind of then I, I was able to finally in getting that money, be able to take care of some of the business debts we'd accrued at the, by that point. At that time, I was able to purchase some commercial equipment to help with our packaging process because everything we do, we do manually. So that was, that was a real lifesaver to, you know, get some of that. And then also afford to now with that loan, help us buy, you know, uh, increase packaging, increase the amount of, of ingredients we could, we could purchase in larger quantity, more bulk quantity, which then would bring our costs down because, you know, the cost for the ingredients then would go down because I was purchasing larger amounts of ingredients and little things like that. So, so all those kinds of things, you know, the personal and the business, the financial stuff, you know, starting a business is not for, you know, the weak or faint heart. I mean, it really, it's, it's, you have to be, both feet have to be in if you really want your business to work and know that like for myself, there are some days where it really stinks in that we're losing accounts. I hopefully not permanently, but right now, like orders aren't happening because businesses are closed right now. And so of course they're closed. Our products are selling. They don't need to place an order. So, you know, businesses, no matter what your business is, is going to ebb and flow and the financial stuff is going to go up and all around. And it's just being committed to, to staying on the path and just keep looking forward. Like I, I've sometimes when I've spoken to groups and I, I share with the group that I'm speaking to my, you know, my, for me, I, I, I have to be what I consider like a Clydesdale where I've got these blinders on both sides of my face and I can only see forward that way. I don't get distracted by what's going to the left or right of me, because if I, if I stop looking forward, that's where that, then, then you fall off track, you fall off your focus and you, and those other things can very easily pull you in the wrong direction or really, you know, kind of pull you down and, and can cause you to lose momentum and lose your focus and just lose your desire or excitement that is, you know, your passion of what's driving you forward. So I'm like, I, I just need to remind myself I'm a Clydesdale. I got my blinders on and we're only looking forward and I can only see forward. I have to tell you, I really admire your spirit and I really admire your determination. Thank you. Um, you basically answered everything that I was going to ask you. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. you really answered basically everything because you explained it because like, I was going to okay. ask her that. I was like, oh, she just got right into it. Just got right into it. Um, has the coronavirus affect your personal and professional life in any way? It, it has on both areas, you know, with the business side of things, unfortunately, you know, with, with businesses that our products are, many of the businesses, our products are sold in right now are, are temporarily closed. So we don't have those, those channels of revenue are not happening right now. And so still trying to be creative, trying to work on improving um, our efforts or uh, present so um, safelydelicious.com is an online store and so uh, we can ship products all over the United States and then 
We're also on Amazon. That's fairly new for us in the last couple of months. So our products are sold on Amazon. And I think, how are they listed? I think it's just Safely Delicious Snacks. I think we pop up now for in the beginning, you know, because being a new product on the site, um, I think it was a little challenging for people to find our products. But now they're popping up and people are finding them and people are buying them. So that's a great, awesome opportunity for us as, you know, trying to kind of find some, okay, there's a silver lining over here, right? When coronavirus was hitting, we were onboarding <laughs> Amazon. So, <laughs> so it's like, okay, hopefully that will, that will help. And that will, that will maybe hopefully make up for some of the, the deficits some of the other stuff we have with the personal side of things for that, you know, living, you know, where I live in Johnson County uh, in Kansas, we are, I forget what the term is, but basically this past Tuesday, they uh, on March 24th, unless you were an essential business, all businesses were required to be closed now. And we, uh, and unless we have to go to one of those essential businesses for something essential, we are supposed to, um, that whole social distancing thing, but we're supposed to like stay home, social distance. Like we are not, and our kids' schools in the state of Kansas were all, um, the kids won't be returning to their school buildings for the remainder of the school year. So we're, we were doing the whole, our school, my son's high school is uh, got the kids all set up to do virtual learning. They're doing zoom learning uh, or they're doing their, they're meeting with their teachers and their classmates through zoom video videos now. And um, my youngest son, his school will start their virtual learning uh, program stuff next Monday. So that will start for him. And so, you know, having the kids around, 24 seven and me here 24 seven is a little different. It's not bad. I'll be honest. It actually for myself being so busy with my business. And then I have, you know, two active young boys, young men, I should call them. They, you know, involved with their sports teams and my 16 year old was working, uh, had a part-time job as well, played on a school tennis team and my younger son does soccer and has activities with school. And so I was, it's like that, what I talked about earlier with, you know, I would work all day and then I'd stop and do the kid thing and then work all night. That still up until coronavirus was still my life. Just my morning and afternoons were filled with safely delicious instead of St. Michael's. I still have to stop at three, go pick up kids from school, run them to work, run them to sports, run, 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 come home, do dinner, homework, whatever. And then most days I'm, you know, back at my work desk working till, you know, midnight or one in the morning. So that, that part of my life um, was still going on. So with coronavirus, I don't have to do that. I actually get to see my bed more like at maybe 10 or 11 <laughs> o'clock at night now. <laughs> and I am being able to, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm being able to sit down and have dinner like every night with my boys where we were a lot of times always eating on the fly and, you know, maybe only had a meal, the three of us together. Um, I was finding myself getting to an exhausted state of like, how long am I, you know, I feel like I'm running a marathon, a sprint mode. That's how I was feeling. And so this intentional break that we have to be doing this mandatory break, I think has actually been a good thing, at least for me personally, because it's allowed me to slow down and even things with my business. It's allowed me time to um, step back and, and, almost kind of like repivot a little bit and and not feel so um, overwhelmed as I was starting. I think I really was starting to feel that right around the time when all this stuff started hitting and I was feeling like I was getting pulled my business. And so right now this has been 
actually okay to have to stay put for even if it's just a couple weeks. <laughs> it's a good thing. That is the best advice you could ever give to someone who is going through the situation right now because you can't just rush everything and then if you rush certain things then you make a lot of mistakes and you mm-hmm. and you continuously make a lot of mistakes, you fail every time. So it's best to slow down. I I agree with that. Yes. So I like that I've been forced to slow down because some of the choices or some of the things I've had to now think about or reconsider or even do slightly different in my business, but it's happening sooner than later. And that feels great. It feels like, like, yeah, like things are, when, when this is all over, I feel like our business is going to still be in a really great place. The financial part of it, you know, the revenue part of it, not so great, but I think if I take care of some of these other things right now, then that will allow when that part, we can finally be more, you know, out there physically and the stores are open again and that sort of thing. Then I can really focus and dive in on that, knowing some of the other stuff that I really needed to be getting done. Or, you know, I have certain things in place now that, um, that can just, you know, naturally keep moving forward. And I, and I don't still create certain things. What is your neighborhood situation like since the coronavirus stepped in? So, yes, I mean, like here, you know, where I live, you know, most of the businesses are closed right now. So it's very kind of eerie when you, you know, if I do have to go up to the grocery store to grab something, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, it feels just slightly strange because you don't see cars everywhere and in all the parking lots and, you know, and you do see, interestingly, there is a lot more people, you know, I mean, we, we, you know, everybody's doing the social distancing thing, but you see fan, you see kids in their yards playing, or you see kids out riding their bikes. Like you see people out walking, like not groups of, you know, a person or two people. There's just, you, it's almost like you see people like as much as because people are kind of stuck home and might be more on their devices at the same time, because people can't go and do all the things they were able to do and were used to doing. They're finding new ways of new things to do with their time. And it's just, it's just, you know, two in the afternoon and you see adults out taking walks, you know, like (laughs) because they can't go to their office and if they're working from home, they're going to take a break maybe in the middle of the day and just go outside and get some fresh air and then come back to their desk and get back on their computer and work some more. So seeing things like that has been, I, it's been actually pretty cool seeing stuff like that. But, um, but even the, you know, when I look at my social media accounts and, you know, my friends that, you know, live near me that are, you know, in my feed and talking about stuff that's, you know, their stuff, their family stuff and their lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. I've actually seen, I think, more positive things. Uh, like there's not, I mean, I think initially people are like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, this is just going to be horrible. But then I've been seeing more and more people posting like the positive things of, it's like, okay, well, we just have to resign ourselves to this is what it is. And this is how things are going to be. And this is our new norm right now. This is everyone's life right now. So what good can come out of it? What are different things we're doing that feel like a positive for ourselves personally or for our family? So that's been really kind of cool. I think everybody I don't say everybody, but most people, I think, are kind of taking a little pause and, and 
um, as I am, as I have, like I just shared of just what this experience has been for me personally. And I think a lot of people are having that same experience as well, which is good. And hopefully when this is over, I think how people really take some of these new norms and they incorporate some of it or any of it into their lives moving forward. Like how, how much more peaceful, how much more stressful might it be for all of us? How it will be towards each other or with each other because of how gracious everyone's being now because we're all in this together. You know, we know the coronavirus is really affecting every aspect of our lives right now. Yes. What advice would you give with a parent who has a child with food allergies? Well, I think one of the challenges, probably even more so now than before, is is having access to some of those foods that maybe um, were a little more accessible or more, you know, a lot of businesses, smaller businesses or grocery stores that maybe had a lot of those kinds of products. You know, they might be limited or maybe the companies that they're coming from because of how the coronavirus maybe has affected or impacted them. Um, you know, it's kind of a trickle down, I think, how it could potentially, unfortunately, end up affecting a family that has food allergies. And so it might be that you find yourself more so during this time um, having to be really creative about, you know, making things you might normally do, you know, just run out to the store and buy and pick up. Um, you know, and then the other thing, too, is I think it can be equally scary you know, what's going on with the virus uh, and then somebody who does have food allergies because, the thing sometimes with food allergies is it does, in fact, um, there is a connection to, at least I've seen it with my own kids, we're making sure their immune systems are being taken care of because having those food allergies, sometimes, you know, it's almost like the two kind of can go hand in hand where um, if, you're, if your body's already struggling and trying to deal with, with an allergen, then it kind of draws energy away from something else within your body. So I think it's really important to make sure, especially those that have the food allergies, are they are taking care of themselves, whether it's kids or even adults. You know, you are getting enough sleep and you are drinking enough water and you are, you know, you really are staying um, as strict to your diet as you can. Because I know like with my own kids, and I've seen this, you know, prior to coronavirus, like my youngest son, who he needs to avoid dairy. Dairy does not get along with him. And I can always tell when he's been cheating and, and having it, or even, you know, having it to, to the point where it's like his skin will start to, um, he starts to get really scaly, bumpy skin, but, and then he starts to kind of get almost this rash on his face. But then what will happen is because of the dairy and then it causes, you know, the congestion and the phlegm and all kinds of other stuff for him, then that, because of now he has the excess of that, it was triggered because of the dairy, half the time he ends up developing a cold and then actually gets sick <laughs> with an actual cold because he has attacked his immune system by attacking it with these food allergens he should have been avoiding. So I think, you know, it's really important to make sure that, you know, some of those dietary restrictions that you, you know, that you adhere to and you try to follow prior to the coronavirus, you're especially trying to stick to right now so that people's immune systems can stay top performing and can stay at their best point. Um, so not to, you know, put themselves at risk of developing, you know, everything seems so scary. You know, it could just be a cold that people worry like, okay, well, the symptoms you have, I mean, it's very clearly defined what symptoms are 
flu versus cold versus coronavirus. But yet initially when somebody first starts not feeling good, you know, our minds will all race to worrying and watching and making sure, okay, are these symptoms going to be coronavirus symptoms? Are they flu symptoms? Or is it just your standard cold? Or are they just having a reaction to something they should have eaten? So we're going to go into another section and it's called the reverse interview section where you, I guess, are going to ask me a question. Do you personally have any food allergies and what has been your own personal experience uh, either with yourself or anyone close to you that also has food allergies? Well, I have only a cheese allergy. Okay. Just tin cheese. But I have been eating the tin cheese, but I've been avoiding the consequences of eating the tin cheese. But, you know, I've just come to the realization now that whenever I eat the tin cheese, it mm-hmm. causes my sinus to block up. So I can't breathe through my nose and then I have to breathe through my mouth. And that's a terrible mm. thing because they say that once you breathe through your mouth, then you're going to develop a heart condition later on in life. So I'm trying to avoid the, as of now, the tin cheese. So I'm focusing more of a vegetarian cheese or lactose-free, dairy-free cheese at the moment. Okay. And does that seem to be helping? Yeah, man, it's really helping. I'm breathing better and, and I have no problems ever since. Okay. Well, that's good. That's interesting about the breathing through the mouth thing. I did not realize that. I I think I researched it some time ago and it kind of told, it kind of, there was a section that said if you breathe through your mouth, it's going to cause a problem with your heart. You, so. as, as you get older, it can cause a problem. But that's right, very yeah. interesting. Wow. Okay. Something else I need to be, uh, I, I need to share that with friends and family. And especially that's when good. you're, especially when I'm sleeping and people are snoring, then that can cause yeah. a heart condition as well. And what kind of heart condition does it cause or can it cause? Well, I'm not sure about the heart con- the type of heart condition, but probably like um, heart, um, heart palpitations or mm-hmm. those kind of stuff. Okay. And so what inspired you to, um, you know, to create the podcast that you're doing and, uh, and to be known as the insightful nutrition on social media and all that awesome stuff? Like what inspired you and... And uh, how did you get started deciding this was what you wanted to do? I think what really inspired me to start the podcast was the fact that I can just acknowledge to myself that, yes, I have an allergy, but then I wanted to find out if there are other persons with serious allergies. So I Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of create a podcast around that. So I wanted to advocate for those persons. And the really surprising thing is that no one is doing a podcast that kind of they're living with allergies, but they're not mm-hmm. focusing on how can they bring a person who created an allergy-free product and how is right. it that they were able to make it and how is it what struggles they were going through before that. And I thought that that would be a creative way to enhance the podcast or the niche in that manner. That's what inspired me to start a podcast. I think it's wonderful. I think it's awesome. I think it's great what you're doing. Thank Absolutely you. Absolutely wonderful. Yes, yeah, very, very cool. And you're right. There's not, it's, it is kind of an area that there's not a whole lot of 
if any, like you said, you found this, this need, you found uh, an opportunity. And I think it's wonderful that you felt called to, to do something with that, because there is, there's a lot of people out there that can really learn and benefit from, you know, all the different people that you will interview and, and share their stories about that will um, help other people that are, you know, living with food allergies as well. And the fact that I'm not working right now, so I kind of want to use that time to kind of occupy myself. In, sure. In, <laughs> to avoid getting in trouble with people. So no, I'm it's a good, to, good use of your time. I just want to make use of my ample time. And so what that does is that it, it occupies my time. I learn a lot. As a matter of fact, I am learning a whole lot about this food allergy niche because I've never knew that anybody could be allergic to ketchup and mustard and um, corn and rice. There's so many allergies out there that people are allergic to and I wouldn't even know that it exists. I know about the wheat because people can develop celiac disease, but I never knew that they would, there would be other food allergies there specifically. Right. That people are allergic to. And I wanted to learn more about it. I'm fascinated by it. And it just it just took me on a roller coaster to say, you know what? Let me do this podcast because I think this is a great opportunity for me to to get and to just really take it, talk to persons who have created the product, what allergies they have been going through to create the product, how is it that they have been managing. And this is, this is a great opportunity for me to showcase that ability that I can share, that I can listen to, that I can learn from. Right. No, I think it's wonderful. It's awesome. Thank you for doing that for all of us who have food allergies. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Any other questions? Oh, sure. I asked you lots more. So, um, so where you live in Jamaica, do you find that um, purchasing allergy-friendly products in your community, uh, is that something that's um, pretty much a standard, like you, you know, they're, they're fairly easy and accessible where you live, or uh, is it very finite and there's only specific places, like here in the United States, most grocery stores have sections in their store where you can find, you know, gluten-free products or nut-free or, you know, allergy-friendly things. And so what is it like in Jamaica? Well, let's just say that Jamaica um, is not. Well, they, they can talk about, they talk about allergies as a personal issue, but it's not more of a national issue. Mm-hmm. So it's not being, it's not being recognized. It's been under, it's been underestimated to me. Okay. Uh, the products, they can be found in the more expensive supermarkets in Jamaica. So okay. people can get access to those products. I think there's, well, the che- well the cheese, the Go Veggie brand is there in Shoppers Fair. Um, okay. There are persons who found bread. There are persons who found um, oats. Um, there, there's, there are some products that are allergy-free in the most expensive mm-hmm. supermarket, but it's not enough. Because I recently found a lady, she's a journalist, and she's been diagnosed to have rheumatoid arthritis, and she yes. has to be on a gluten-free diet. Yes, yes, that's, that, that's, that is very common. I think some of those, again, they, it, it's that whole autoimmune system thing, that when your body is being attacked by certain allergens, be it environmental or food, it can wreak havoc on your autoimmune system. 
and and create different and different illnesses. So you know, food food can be either good medicine for your body or bad medicine for your body. Yeah, that's the the only issue that I have with Jamaica not giving more access to gluten free products, and they can be very mm-hmm. expensive. Mm-hmm. Very expensive because based on the foreign exchange, um, oh, okay. Based on the foreign exchange, well, with the Jamaican currency, it can be very expensive on on our end. Mm-hmm. So because they're import they're importing more products overseas than to well e- export, then mm-hmm. there is a higher foreign currency on our end. So we basically have to stretch the dollar. So. Um, right. We have to really take time spending how much we bought of this allergy-free product, and then try mm-hmm. to squeeze that and see if we can stretch it to at least a two weeks um, right. type of thing. So um, that's the challenge with um, buying food allergy-free products. We can buy it online and so forth. I know it's online. It's on Amazon. Right. But we have to basically be careful of our spending um, habits and so forth. Well, the shipping, I would think, would be expensive, yeah, you know, even is. if you're buying it on Amazon, that can get you. The shipping could cost you maybe almost as much as the products. Right. Especially with the courier service, their shipping fee is very expensive. The tax is very high when it comes wow. to buying products from online. So right. I think there's the caution there is to just be careful how much, mm-hmm. of, that, how much of that product that you spend. Or you can... Right. Well, some persons... Um, some persons buy it through the mail, mm-hmm. but it can be it can be kind of really it's not really dangerous, but it kind of can be kind of um, risky because um, some of the products that we buy, the office, the mail office, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they don't have that kind of uh, material to hold the amount of allergy-free products that you're buying. So, yeah. And do you have any friends or family that also have food allergies? Well, I think, well, I I have friends that have allergies, but I think, you know, I don't remember right now. Oh, no, that's okay. The sad thing is, I don't remember. I know that the um, the rea- I know the reaction that they get from the food allergy, but I don't remember sure. the, the specific allergen. I think my friend, right. she's in England. She's the reason why she, the podcast is named Inside Nutrition. Uh, yeah. She has enzema, and that's it can call that can be um, one of the consequences of um, kind of the food allergy. So, um, yeah. Definitely, I see that with my kids. Absolutely, and even yeah. myself. Once, well, when someone eats a particular food, then mm-hmm. um, she can develop um, enzema, and so mm-hmm. on. So she has to be critical, um, critical of how she manages it, like with creams and so forth. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Well, if there was one thing that one thing that you would want your listeners uh, what would be one thing like to know about you or about your business? What, what would be like if you had one thing to say about Nicole that, you, that would be a takeaway uh, or like advice or some 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 big thought? What would you have for your listeners? 
I take life serious, mm-hmm. especially up to today. I take life serious. Sometimes I will laugh at sort, you know, a little joke here and there, but I take I take life serious. And and sometimes at this point, mm-hmm. at this point during the coronavirus time, we have to have thick skin, mm-hmm. like serious thick skin, because people can say anything, mm-hmm. and when we we react, sometimes things can happen. So I I used to behave mm-hmm. like that and. You know what I I'm a I realize that I'm a late bloomer, so I have to really say you know what, change that, develop thick skin, because when you have thick skin, it saves your life better than to just react to something that you shouldn't have reacted to in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I have to develop thick skin, be serious, uh, stay by yourself, stop getting involved in a company that doesn't help you or help in a way that it helps you to mature and grow as a person. So um, I think that's what I'm doing at this point. And that's the thing that I know about me, that I love to learn. So once I learn something, I just Mm -hmm. practice it, Mm -hmm. get into the habit of it. And that's what I think what listeners should know about me. Well, I think that's a wonderful thing that they should know about you. And I did actually... um, listen to your first podcast uh, where you where yes about Nicole to better understand who who this wonderful host was going to be of this podcast and uh, I loved hearing about your background and your journey and just just how you how you have evolved and what's brought you to this point so I think you are an amazing young woman and you you've just got great passion and excitement and desire about you know and you can tell with what you're doing so thank you for that I think it's awesome thank you so much I I appreciate that you you mentioned you listened to my first one because oh absolutely that was a whole lot to say to open up about my journey because normally for me I don't open up at all I just get silent and Mm -hmm. as I mentioned in my first episode I had a speech impediment so it was difficult for me to open up because mm-hmm. I don't want to say foolishness. I really don't want to, and it makes me look like a fool. So I kind of tend to be silent and everything. Mm-hmm. So once a teacher wrote on my report that I'm too quiet, I was like, I was like a little bit offended because you're right. supposed to report on the person's academic performance and not on the behavior. So if a teacher wrote on somebody else's report that they talk too much in class and all of that, I mean, what's the difference? I don't see what's the difference. Right. Because it's about, it's about, it's, it's about your academics. Are you doing well? And are you, um, you know, putting forth effort or are you not paying attention and slacking off and not getting your work done? That seems a little bit different than... Some people are extroverts and some people are introverts. And as long as you're a good student, that shouldn't matter whether you're quiet or talkative. <laughs> For me, I think it's the matter of the teacher. She wants to push something out of me or she wants me to be like mm-hmm. her. But I am not that person who's going to be brawling, for instance, and just talk anything and say anything and, you know, make her look like, um, an embarrassment. So um, I'm not that type of person. I don't want to embarrass myself. It doesn't feel good to be embarrassed. So I would love to be, 
I love to keep my composure at a at a distance. So I just um I just don't really think that I should be like everybody. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe in. Uniqueness and being different. You don't have to be the same as someone else. Mm-hmm. Because if you're trying to be the same as somebody else, how is it going to benefit you as a person? Mm-hmm. I agree. How is it going to benefit you as a person? I mean, I try to be like somebody. It doesn't make me feel good and it doesn't really make me propel Mm-hmm. It doesn't really propel me to move forward in life. Mm-hmm. So I was like, just be myself. I know who I am. And I know what I'm about. I know what I can do. I'm different from this other person who doesn't do what I do. Right. She doesn't think like I think. We have different things. So I don't really need a crowd of people to talk to and to talk the same thing so right i'm okay being different i'm okay being unique because that's what makes me me mm-hmm. exactly exactly well and and i agree with you 100 percent. absolutely and and those that are confident in who they are and and they they're the ones that will rise above and will always succeed because they have that much belief in themselves. So I think that's wonderful. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Well, I don't have any more questions for you. <laughs> All right. Do you have any, anything more for me? No, I don't think okay. I have any for you. I think you basically answered everything. Even if I didn't wonderful. ask you, you just went right into it. And that's what I love about you. You just oh, went thanks. right into it. I asked you, I asked you a general question. It's like, you went into the solution already. What is it that you're doing about it? And I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this has been great fun. Yes, yes, it is. It has been so much fun from morning and then until this evening. We had so much fun. Despite the internet connection on my side. Right. Yeah. No problem. Where can listeners find you on social media? So, um, Safely Delicious, we um, have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter handle, which would be Safely Delicious. We are on Instagram as Safely Delicious. Um, We are on LinkedIn, Safely Delicious. And um, we also are on Pinterest, Safely delicious, so real original. We just were, we were, for, again, like I shared early on in my story, when I decided that would be the name, I went out there and grabbed our name on everything. So, and then um, we also have our website where uh, it's just safelydelicious.com. And that uh, is our website. It's also an online store so people can purchase products and we ship them um, to the uh, continental USA. And then our products are also on Amazon. And uh, so people can find Safely Delicious snacks on Amazon as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this. I really appreciate it. And I've enjoyed this time with you, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think that you are a super mom. You are a super businesswoman. And it shows throughout your products and it shows throughout your journey. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming to really take the time to come and share the journey with us. And it has been such an amazing journey. Thank you. Well, thank you for this time. And thank you for giving me this, this platform and opportunity to do that. I really appreciate it. But thank you so much. You are so welcome.
So that's the end of today's episode. But wait. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Insightful Nutrition Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to not forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcast. This will help listeners like you to find and share the show with your friends and family. Allow the show to become more searchable and help with Apple Podcast rankings. I appreciate you so much for tuning in to today's episode. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Bye-bye for now.